this thing on? Because it's getting ready to be on. Hello and welcome to Bell Ringer. On today's episode, we have Rosanna Berardi from Berardi Immigration Law and, and paired with her from our staff, Business Development Manager Carolyn Powell, who focuses a lot of her efforts on the Canadian market and bringing Canadian businesses to Buffalo, Niagara. So I, I kind of play intermediary and toss out some questions and, and you can hear them chat out some issues that are pertinent to Canadian businesses. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Please rate us on iTunes. And thank you very much for listening. All right. So thank you guys very much for being here. Thank you. I'm Carolyn Powell, Business Development Manager at Invest Buffalo Niagara. And I'm Rosanna Berardi, Managing Partner of Berardi Immigration Law, a business immigration firm located in Buffalo, New York. Okay. And um, I know you guys work really closely on a lot of projects. So, Carolyn, can you describe that relationship and, and where you bring um, Rosanna into the process? Certainly. So, 90% of the projects that I work on are Canadian-based companies looking for their first U.S.-based facility, and specifically in the Buffalo Niagara region. And in that process, they have a lot of questions of how do they set up their business and where am I going to set it up? And one of the routine questions are, how do I, as a Canadian citizen, come to the U.S. to set up this business? How do I come down to work there, interview and hire people, and oversee the facility? So we then, you know, as talking with them, we reach out to our partners, like Rosanna's office, to help answer those questions for them and guide them through the process of immigration if needed. And Rosanna, what's, what are the first couple questions that you ask someone once you get involved and, and what are their initial worries? So the very first question we always ask is, where were you born? Um, because if you're a Canadian citizen, there are special opportunities for entry to the United States. So once we figure out the nationality of the individual, then we'll start talking about short-term and long-term goals. Um, our immigration advice is based on whether people want to be in the U.S. just temporarily or if they want a green card, and then we'll walk them through many of the options that are available. And this, uh, we were just talking off mic, you were up in Fort Erie meeting with someone. This is like a, a big concern for people and one of, the, one of their biggest worries when they're trying to expand their business, right? Yes, so I was just in Fort Erie this morning. Um, with a Canadian corporation that is expanding to the United States. They're expanding the state of Washington. Um, They're nervous about their documentation. We prepared the application, and before presenting it at the border, I met with the client, talked him through the process, what to expect, and hopefully, as we're speaking, he is getting his work permit right now. So what are, what are some of the options that a, a business owner has when they're coming down, say, to Buffalo, um, and let's say it's, it's on a longer-term basis instead of a temporary. So the business owner really has to be mindful of when he or she is entering the United States. Um, they have to be really careful not to be here too often until they obtain a work permit. But for long-term purposes, um, the category we recommend the most, there's something called an L1. It's an intercompany transfer. If you have a business in Canada, you want to ex- expand into the United States, the L1's a great way to do that, and it nicely converts to a green card further down the road. So sometimes people are very um, adamant about the fact they don't want green cards because 
U.S. green cards can raise a host of tax issues. Um, but for the clients that do want to live and work here permanently, we would generally recommend the L1. And Carolyn, you work with a ton of Canadian projects. What do you see more often, people that want to come down temporarily or, or more long-term? In the 10 years that I've been doing this, I would say 99% of them were they were just crossing for business purposes and temporary crossing, get the facility set up, and then on occasion come down and check on things. I would say in the last four months, I'm definitely getting more interest in companies wanting to have the conversation of business reasons of being down, short-term and long-term, and now asking questions also on the personal moves into the United States with the business. So we've been reaching out to our partners and the experts to help educate them of, well, if you're coming down just with the business to oversee it and still reside in Canada, and or if you were to come down personally to move, how does that impact things? How does it change the conversation, both for a legal immigration and tax? And really making sure that we educate the companies and the individuals of what is the impact and what is the process, depending on which road they want to go down. And the, the people that are coming down temporarily, they come down, help set up the business, and then most of the time they're hiring a local leadership team? Yes, yeah, so they're just kind of overseeing. They plan to oversee both the Canadian and the U.S. facility, mostly reside in Canada. They're hiring local workers to be plant managers, warehouse managers, and down to actually run the daily operations of the facility. They're just overseeing from Canada. Uh, what do you think is a, a common misconception that a Canadian business owner that wants to come down has or, or maybe a consistent worry that people have? The biggest issue we see with Canadian clients is that um, they believe they don't need to have a work permit to be in the United States. Um, we have such a fluid border where Canadians are coming in and out to shop and travel and ski and whatnot um, that they think that extends to business as well. So oftentimes people will say, oh, I'm Canadian. I can just set up my business in the U.S., right? And um, it, it's a lot more than that, actually. So we're always educating in terms of the requirements. What's that limit when it becomes that that the person is coming down here too often? Is, is it like a time limit or? We tell folks, um, if you're here more than once a month, that's way too often. Okay. You always have to be careful about frequency and also the government will see and ask if you have any direct reports in the United States. So if you're the Canadian owner, uh, say in Mississauga, and you're coming in to check on your team in Hamburg, um, you've got to be careful if you have direct reports that you're managing even remotely, the government will want you to get a work permit. And if you're, it seems like, you know, a complicated process for a business owner, but if you're leveraging someone like yourself, you know, how, how much of the worry does that ease for a Canadian company and how easy does it, does it become then? Well, immigration is not a do-it-yourself endeavor. Um, people look on the government website and say, oh, well, it's just a series of forms. And we always liken that to doing your taxes, right? Like anyone can do taxes and fill out forms, but most of us hire accountants because if you make a mistake, it can be very costly. The same is true with immigration. You want to hire a skilled immigration lawyer that understands the nuances of the application, particularly right now under the Trump administration. 
The law has not changed, but the enforcement of the laws has really been, you know, amped up. So you want to make sure that everything is done correctly. And the benefit of an immigration lawyer is we do hundreds of these cases every year. We know what the government wants, what they expect, and we know how to get them approved. You can technically do it on your own, but why would you when you're spending all this money to expand in the United States? If you make a mistake, it's going to impact your personal as well as your business ability to cross the border. Carolyn, more generally, what are some of the reasons that Canadian companies are coming down? And maybe we should have covered this first, but you know, what, what is the thought process to a Canadian business that wants to be in Buffalo, Niagara? There's some typical reasons why a Canadian wants to come down. Everybody's a little bit different in the specifics, but a lot of companies look for U.S. expansion because of the larger market size on this side of the border. You know, they have Canadian sales, but really to get that next level of growth, they need to hit that larger market. Some of them are already selling to the U.S. market, and now that is a high percentage of their sales. And they really need to separate those two pieces of business and to be better able to service, ship to quicker from the U.S. side. There's other people that have contracts, maybe government contracts or non-government contracts that require a made-in-U.S. label on their product. So there's a lot of different reasons that they come down. There's kind of some general themes to it, but a lot of it is border issues, access to a larger market, contract requirements, and then just the size of the percentage of U.S. sales, percentage of raw materials creates a tipping point that it just makes sense to have something on this side of the border. What are some of our success stories of Canadian businesses that have come down that folks listening can look to and say, okay, like this is doable, I, I, can, I can move my business as well? The great thing with the companies that we've worked in the past and the success that we've had, it's across all industries, it's all different sizes and forms that they do their expansion in. So, you know, I don't want to make it seem like you have to come down and have a 50-person operation to expand into the U.S. Some of them might start with five jobs, like a company called SWS Warning Lights. They came down, they're setting up a small facility to get started with, doing some assembly work, and they'll grow from there. Versus a NutriBlend Foods that mixes protein powder, they started with 25 people, and they're up to about 200 people now at this point. And we, we recently actually visited Avanti Advanced Manufacturing, which is uh, a win of yours, and Jim, the business owner, he's a pretty good example of someone that's embraced the Buffalo community. He's won some like service awards, and he loves it down here. He does love it down <laughs> here, and you know he, he really has found his niche in where he's recruiting people from. His business is rapidly growing. He's now into his second building because he outgrew the first one already, and really picking up new businesses, working with community partners for the workforce, and really has seen his business take off. And just a chance to cross-promote, he was on our webinar as well. Yes. <laughs> with you. And so, you know, click on the webinar and take a listen. Yeah. So, uh, Rosanna, one of the pieces that uh, you guys have, have put out recently that I found interesting for, as someone that's not in this every day are... Um, some of the technology hangups when crossing the border. I guess kind of talk about that and 
that might not be something that's top of mind for people, but it, it seems pretty important now more than ever. Yeah, it's super important. Um, what we carry when we cross the border today is vastly different than 10 years ago. When you think about what's in your cell phone, you not only have a business phone, you have a personal phone, you've got emails, photos, um, passwords, all types of things. And all of that is searchable at the border. So what's happened recently in January, the Trump administration issued a new memo to Customs and Border Protection regarding the government's ability to search your phone. Very, very hard to show up at a border crossing and if an officer asks, can I look at your phone, for you to say no. Um, government's able to search any email, any text, social media handle. You're required to give your password for any of those apps that you may have on your phone. And we're advising all of our clients, if they're frequent travelers, to really think about what they're bringing in. Um, you know, in my industry, as, attorney, as an attorney, we have the attorney-client privilege, and I'm required under the ethics rules of the state of New York to make sure all of my correspondence with my clients is protected. Well, that privilege can be breached at the border. The government can say, we don't care about the attorney-client privilege, we want to look at your emails. Um, and that puts me in an ethical bind. So the workaround to all of this, if you want to know how to avoid it, basically is you can back up all of your information before crossing the border on a cloud service. Government's not allowed to search the cloud. Um, or a lot of clients are traveling with what they call cheater phones or burner phones that have no information on it, but allows them to text or call when they're traveling. So it's really important to think about what you're bringing with you, your photos. Um, it's rare, it's very rare that the government's going to say to you, Greg, as you're crossing the border, give me your phone. But if there's something else going on, if they don't believe where you're going or they don't like what you're bringing into the country, they're certainly going to ask about your phone. So this new directive has wreaked a lot of havoc um, at the border and we're, we're seeing more and more cell phones being searched. So it's really important to know what you're carrying with you. And I think I've also heard you give some good advice in the past of, you know, just non-technology non items of, you know, what is in your vehicle? What are you traveling around with every day that's in the back seat, in the trunk? And when you are crossing that border, you know, kind of just give your vehicle a look over of what's back there, what's in there, personal stuff, work stuff. Is it appropriate for this trip that you're crossing or is it just stuff in your vehicle and maybe you just want to remove it before heading down? It's important to be really mindful about what you're carrying because at all times you can be searched. There is no Fourth Amendment protection at the U.S. border against search and seizure. They don't have to have reasonable cause. They can pretty much do what they want in the interest of national security. And we've advised clients for years to make sure your story matches your stuff. Don't say, you know, you're coming in to go skiing and have all types of business materials in your possession. So it's really important to know what you have on you. And that doesn't seem like something that might be top of mind for people either. Right. I think you forget what you're riding around with. Right. And we right. cross the border so often in the western New York area that you don't even think about it. You don't think that you're going into another country. You're like, oh, let's go to Fort Erie for lunch. And, you know, that, that just opens up a can of worms for a lot of people. Right. That's the other side of the ease of access to Canada. And, right. You know, we, we can go across the border in like 20 minutes from where we're sitting right now, but it's... A somewhat bigger deal than yeah. that. I've I've jumped over on my lunch hour to just go to Sobeys and <laughs> <laughs> think about what's what's in there. 
All right, so we'll we'll end on a blizzard round. Carolyn, you've done this before. I, I have. Believe, so we'll, oh, you have an advantage. We're just going to go with you. We're yeah. going to skip Carolyn. All we, right. We know what chicken wing she likes. So, oh, okay. Uh, if you were a flavor of ice cream, what would you be? Uh, black raspberry. Sweet. A uh, book or TV show that you'd recommend? The Great Alone by Kristen Hanna. Text or phone call? Text. Bills or savers? Oof. Savers. <laughs> Hiking or skiing? Hiking. And chicken wings, drumstick or flat? Drumstick all the way flat. It's too much work. What was your chicken wing? Drumstick. Drumstick. All right. Three drumstick people. <laughs> so we cannot share a plate of wings together. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you guys very much for doing this. I really appreciate your time. Thank Thanks, you. Girl. Bellringer is a podcast by Invest Buffalo Niagara, the region's privately funded nonprofit marketing and economic development organization. Please rate this podcast, follow our social media channels, and read our blog at buffaloniagara.org for the best of Buffalo Niagara. Come grow your business with us.